Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, says the Lord. They shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. Your children shall come back to their own country. Bring me back. Let me come back, for you are the Lord my God. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of humans and the seed of animals. And just as I have watched over them to pluck up and break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring evil, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. When I was appointed to two little Methodist churches when I was only 18, I preached to 16 at the smaller one every Sunday morning, average, and 56 at the bigger one. Money didn't seem to be so much of a problem. The little church only needed about $15 a week to pay me the apportionments and keep the lights on. The bigger one only needed $100 a week to pay me, pay our apportionments, keep the lights on, order Sunday school materials. Even so, I saw other churches around me out there in the country, a lot of them pastored by fire eaters, and I knew I was right in preaching a gospel of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I remember asking God to affirm my ministry by helping me have more. More people, more people. Didn't always happen. Six years later, I was preaching to 16 at the smaller one and 56 at the bigger one. Can you imagine what Jeremiah must have felt? Son of a priest who at 18 years of age felt God calling him in a different direction to be a critic of the priest to be a critic of the king. When one takes on the king, those who are in authority, one often ends up with a bloody nose, and that happened to Jeremiah. For 40 years, he delivered the message he believed God had sent him to deliver, and they put him in the stocks, locked in his wrists and his ankles and his head, and people made fun of him. Finally, they took him out of the stocks and threw him down in a cistern. The cisterns were usually carved out of rock in the Middle East. They were shaped with a small hole at the top. Water could be funneled in during the five months when it rains and then hollowed out bigger at the base so that anything that got in could not get out by itself. And you cut down on evaporation if you had a smaller hole at the top. So when they dropped him down in that cistern, which was now empty except for some mud, he described, just a muddy bottom, he couldn't get out. They left him there for a long time and then finally hauled him out through that little hole and decided now they would just go ahead and put him into the prison at the palace. When the Babylonians finally came, they gave him no respect. <laughs> this is a guy who's in prison. Uh, the king doesn't like him. We don't like him either. They didn't consider him important enough to drag him off to Babylon as they did Ezekiel. In fact, his friends took him south in the opposite direction down to Egypt, and he died there shortly thereafter. 
must not have felt validated in his own ministry. He tells us in his writings he was unmarried, had no children, no grandchildren. He was lonely. He felt beaten up by the king. Yet he believed he had been doing what God had sent him to do. Let's look at this chapter. I'm going to pick four verses that I like very much that I think help tell Jeremiah's story. The first is in verse 29. They shall no longer say, The parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge, but all shall die for his own sins. No longer will you be judged by what your grandparents did or didn't do, what your parents did or didn't do, but who are you? You get to decide and you will face the consequences of your actions. Ten days ago, Steve Jobs died. Oh, the accolades have come pouring in. He was amazing, was he not? In 56 years, with one year of college, to start building in a garage, a company that would become, just three weeks ago, the largest company in the world. If you had sold all the shares of Apple stock, Three weeks ago, it would have yielded more money than any other stock of any other company in the world. That's amazing. I mean, from a Macintosh computer all the way to the iPhones, Steve Jobs knew how to gather the right people, marshal the right forces, have the right vision, and then personally sell what they'd come up with. But there are other things about Steve Jobs. We're learning now that he was an adopted child because he was the product of a man who had come to this country from Syria. He was a Sunni Muslim. He had an affair with a graduate student in this country. Her parents were not thrilled about him or that, and they encouraged her to place their child up for adoption. Uh, they, these two adults went their separate ways, and Steve's biological father now runs a casino in, uh, in Las Vegas. He was adopted. We don't know that his adoptive family ever took him to church. When he was an adult, he decided he was a Zen Buddhist. He was diagnosed with cancer in 2003, and after he had had his first surgery, he was asked to give the commencement address at Stanford University. Some of you may have read that address. If you haven't, take a look. I've read it. It's about death. He's scared. He knows that pancreatic cancer is not usually treated successfully. He had virtually all the money in the world. He could have afforded any doctor, any hospital that he could get to, but it wasn't enough. He prolonged his life for eight years, but he died. And in that address to the students at Stanford, he said, We all die. No one has escaped. But he said, This is the way it ought to be. The new comes and becomes old and is cleared away. Right now, you are the new. You will become old and you will be cleared away as well. And basically all he told them was, so don't live somebody else's life. Live your own and live every day 
because soon enough you will be the old and you will be cleared away. Sat down. One writer in the Wall Street Journal this week, Andrew Couch, said that's because that's all he had to give. More technology, more technology. A faster and faster and faster computer. An iPhone that's better and better. The iPhone 1 was terrific. The 2 was better, 3 better, 4 better, 4S even better. But technology doesn't answer the deepest cries of the heart. In fact, Walter Isaacson got a call from Steve Jobs several years ago asking if he would come and meet with him. He wanted him to write his biography. Walter Isaacson has written biographies of very famous people, included Albert Einstein. He said, sure, who would not fly out to talk to Steve Jobs? He said, I didn't know until I got there that the very next day he was having his first operation after this malignancy had been discovered. He was scared. He started talking to me. In the last eight years, he said, I've had more than 50 visits with Steve Jobs trying to get it all down. I saw him just a few days before he died, Mr. Isaacson has said. He was sleeping downstairs, physically unable to get upstairs to the main bedroom. He was almost in a fetal position in his bed. He knew the end was very near, and so did I. And I asked him, why did you want me to write your biography? And he said, so my kids would know who I am. He and his wife have four. I've been busy, he said. I wanted my kids to know who I am. We all make decisions. We all make choices. We all decide how we will spend our time, with whom, where we can make our lives count the most. And all of us realize there are some deficiencies in the decisions we've made, and we pay the consequences. Number two, I want you to hear this beautiful, powerful plea again. Bring me back. Let me come back, for you are the I am who I am, my Elohim. HBO wins a lot of awards these days for their presentations. But if you haven't watched many programs on HBO, be aware that they don't always have to conform to some of the standards of the bigger networks. That is, the language is horrible in many of them, and the gruesome details of a lot of the shows are not spared at all. So normally you see shows like The Sopranos and others, but there's a new show on there called Enlightened. Just the title should be a clue that this is something different. And when you see that Michael White is the principal writer, it might help you to know he's a preacher's kid. Enlightened. Laura Dern stars. You know her. She's had a number of leading roles. She's now a young woman in her 40s. Her real-life mother, Diane Ladd, plays her mother in this program. Laura's just past 40. Her mother's late 60s now. They play mother and daughter. Laura's character is divorced, and the fact that she's divorced has caused her to raise a lot of questions about herself. 
Is she attractive? Is she not attractive? Why, you know, is the husband gone? And she slips into an affair with her boss, who's a married man. But finally he tires of her, demotes her to another department to get her farther away. She knows what's happened, that he's decided he's not going to leave his wife. He's not going to marry her. And there's a huge confrontation, her mascara running down, dripping off her chin. And the next time you see her, she's in Hawaii. She's flown to get away. And she's sitting there in that beautiful place, fingering prayer beads. Prayer beads. And she said, I believe a person can move out of hell into the light. I believe a person can change. I believe a changed person can become an agent of change in the lives of others. Enlightened. Let me come back. I want to come back. Number three. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Jeremiah said these are words straight from the heart of God. This word translated everlasting love and the word translated faithfulness are the same words in Hebrew. It's chesed, H-E-S-E-D for us, with a rough breathing mark. It's called over the H, so it's sort of chesed. It's the one word used more than any other in the 39 scrolls of the Hebrew Scriptures to describe the very heart and nature of the Almighty. Steadfast, never-failing love. Many of you have come to love the hymn of promise, it's called, written by Natalie Sleep. I told you that her husband was one of my professors in seminary, Dr. Ronald Sleep. I took several courses because I liked him very much, but one of my favorites was called Preaching Values in Contemporary Literature. And he told us in that class that when we were graduated from the seminary, many of us would be sent to rural areas where there was no live theater at all, too far from a major metropolitan area to see live theater. But he said you can read plays. If you don't get to see them, you can read them. And sometimes when you read them, you get more than when you see them. So he introduced us to a lot of different playwrights. And one of the ones that I came in time to appreciate was Tom Stoppard. We've had his work around for several decades now. Critics have debated which of his plays is the very best, but theater audiences have voted by buying tickets. It's the play called The Real Thing. When one watches the curtain rise on the real thing, you see a couple talking to each other. One is called Max, the other is called Charlotte, and Max is accusing Charlotte of having an affair. And this goes on for all of the first scene. Curtain, curtain up again, and lo and behold, you discover that that first scene was a play within the play and that the play has been written by a fellow named Henry who is in fact having an affair with the actor Max's real-life wife named Annie. So it's really all mixed up, but stay with it. The title is a clue. It's called The Real Thing. 
the real thing. Henry pays. He pays. He finally has to face the consequences of improper behavior. But here's the line I want you to hear. It's no big trick to love someone at her best. The hard part is loving someone at her worst. The Bible says there's not such a big deal about laying down one's life for one's friends. But what if someone were to do that for his enemies? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. While we were yet sinners, Paul wrote, Christ died for us, reconciling us and the world to himself, loving us at our worst, listening to see if we would say, please, I want to come back. I want to come back. I want to move from this hellish place where I am to that land of light. Change me. Make me what you had in mind when you created me. Number four. For the I am who I am has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him. These words of ransomed and redeemed have to do with God's bringing his people home from Egypt where they'd been enslaved for 400 years that he will bring them home from Babylon when the Persians overrun the Babylonians God finds a way to get his people home again this word redeemed and its noun redemption come from the slave markets when a slave was put up on a block and bids were taken one person finally decreed high bidder only to come forward and say to the prior owner, unshackle him, turn her loose. I've bought you, I set you free. I set you free. God wants all his children come back home. There's an old poem written some years ago by Josephine Jones Hadley little bitty town in Arkansas, right up in the northeastern corner. When Johnny Cash became famous, he got someone to set it to music, and he sang it. Remember this old poem? It was written a hundred years ago. I think oft times as the night draws nigh of an old house on the hill, of a yard all wide and blossom-starred where the children played at will. And when at last the night came down, hushing their merry din, Mother would look around and ask, Are all the children in? The Bible speaks of God sometimes as father, sometimes as mother. Tis many and many a year since then in the old house on the hill no longer echoes to childish feet, and the yard is now so still. But I see it all as the shadows creep, and though many the years have been, I still can hear my mother ask, are all the children in? I wonder if when the shadows fall on the last short earthly day, 
when we say goodbye to the world outside, all tired with our childish play, when we step out into that other land where mother so long has been, will we hear her ask, just as of old, are all the children in? <laughs> 